Welcome to In Our Mom's Basement Video Game Podcast, where we talk about everything video games with your host, Dan Giofway and Rage Quit Pat. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 64 of In Our Mom's Basement Podcast, the first podcast of 2021. I'm Rage Quit Pat. Dan the Pizza Man, you're here. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm good, man. I've just been uh, packing all day for the move tomorrow morning, so I've been pretty beat. Oh, all right. Well, I, I thought you were. Uh, well, I'm glad. Are you feeling better? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to take a shower though. So after this, I'm gonna jump in there. All right, perfect. All right. Well, Dan, the pizza man is feeling much better. So I, here he is. I am joined by my wonderful co-host, the lover of all pizza, uh, pizza, Dan, the pizza man. And today, guys, we have uh, our guest, our first guest of 2021. Very honored to have him here, um, entering the gamer cave here. And this guest here, really quickly, he a um, couple fun facts. Uh, began training in Taekwondo at seven years old and became an ATA world champion in his early teens. And since then, he has studied a myriad of martial arts, including fencing and archery, and will be a lifelong student of combat sports. It was now it was not long after he started martial arts that our guest discovered his love for theater. And also our esteemed guest here eventually moved from New York to Los Angeles to pursue a career in entertainment industry, where he met his wife, Desi Ray, and shortly after they have one child, Katana. And our wonderful guest here that is joining us on the Gamer Cave, he is the voice of Ryo Hazuki from the Shenmue series. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Corey Marshall to the Gamer Cave. Corey, how are you? And welcome to the Gamer Cave. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I am excellent. And uh, thank you for having me as your first guest of 2021. I, uh, I appreciate that. I'm honored. Thank you. No, absolutely. And thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, we are huge fans of the Shenmue series here. And we are very, again, very honored to have you. And, uh, you know, let's get started with the with the questions. What questions do we have for Corey first? <laughs> uh, let's start when you were younger what are some of the f- um, your favorite games on growing up oh man favorite games growing up let's see um <laughs> oh my daughter just came into the room oh oh she's got treats for me well i mean i uh was lucky i got a chance to um experience uh early systems i mean even my brother had an atari so i would sneak into his room and play Atari when he wasn't home, when he was at school or something like that. And I got a chance to play all those old classics. And, um, you know, I think the, the first system that I was given by my mother was the NES. So yeah, I remember playing, uh, you know, Mario and all that kind of stuff, but I think probably my favorite game there was probably Zelda and Zelda's a great series even to this day me and in fact my daughter who just came on uh, came in here 11 years old we uh, we actually played Breath of the Wild uh currently right now and uh so Zelda's got to be one of my all-time classics for you know back in the day and then with the uh, Super NES I think it's got to be um well uh for us here in the states it was Final Fantasy 3 and that's got to be, man, that's got to be one of my all-time favorite games. Um, me and my friend played that game forever. We just, we played it. Um, man, we, we, you know, it was one of those first times that I ever took a game and just was 
played it so long it was ridiculous we got all of our characters up to level 99 all of our strikes were 9999 <laughs> you know I mean? like, we wanted to get all the gear all of the you know what i mean we wanted to make yeah. sure we were in god level before we went on and <laughs> and faced uh kepka which is our uh, kepka which is the final boss in that one and um yeah, it was one of those games that was, and it means so much to me because of, yeah, like me and my friend just spending hours and hours and hours on it. So that that one has very deep meaning for me. That's awesome. And we're, you know, we're, we're huge fans of, uh, are you going to, um, I know you mentioned you and uh, your daughter were playing Breath of the Wild. Are you going to go back to the N64 days and maybe uh, boot up uh, Ocarina of Time? I've heard oh, that, of- yeah, <laughs> that, that'd be great. So, so many people, when I've mentioned Zelda, um, because yeah, you know, again, me me playing Zelda way back in the day, so many people are like, oh my god, have you played Ocarina of Time? Have you played, uh, you know, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, 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 when when um, Wind Waker? Wind Waker is another uh, another one that a friend has recommended. It's one of his favorite games, and uh, yeah, I just I I feel like I because there was a, a large chunk of Zelda games that I didn't get a chance to participate in i yeah you're right i i kind of feel like oh man i, I want to make sure that i experience these because i only got a chance to play um the first two well chrono not chronologically but um i guess as they came out you know only got a chance to play the first two so there's a whole bunch that i'm missing because i went from one and two all the way down to um breath of the wild and we're going to be getting obviously uh, age of calamity here pretty soon breath of the wild too but um I, I I feel the pain when people start to talk about these games and and, and 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 how much they love it and how much it means to them. I'm like, oh god, I gotta I gotta do it. Yeah, Ocarina of Time is um, I'm not the biggest Zelda fan. I um I prefer to watch people play it rather than me play it. But okay. I you know um, I know Dan the Pizza Man is a big huge Zelda fan. Um, <laughs> but for, for me, uh, I mean. I'm just, I got Ocarina of Time on, you know, Majora's Mask and 64. I still got those, uh, you know, but, you know, I play Breath of the Wilds, but I mean, as good as a game was, I just, I don't know. It's just not a game I was able to get into. Oh, well. Uh, which one? Breath of the Wild or? Uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, the one on Switch. Okay. Yeah, you know, I me and my daughter enjoy the switch a lot and i think it's just because of the portability you know what i mean katana takes it with her all the time whenever we go on a long trip in the car or something like that los angeles anything that's more than 10 miles is a long trip because of traffic you're going to be you know in traffic for about an hour you could you could almost walk there faster but you know we could just sit in the car and play breath of the wild instead so yeah the <laughs> switch is great for that i do love the switch yeah, the switch the switch is an awesome system. Nintendo definitely rebounded. Um, Corey, when did you decide? Uh, when did you get into voice acting? Um, when did when did that journey uh, begin? Yeah, um, well, as you mentioned before, I was in New York at the time. Actually, I was attending college out there, and um, I had saw I saw an advertisement for. Um, voiceover audition and it was like you know two to three months in japan doing voiceover for a major game company or something like that i don't remember exactly what it said it's actually a very small little snippet little article you know what i mean tiny little box that had uh the ad in it and it's 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 great that my eyes didn't 
you know, glance over it because it was, it's probably easy to miss, you know? And, um, I had done all kinds of stuff before I'm a, you know, I'm a long time actor since I was a kid, I started doing stage and then I did TV and film. And I mean, just, just everything that you can think of and, and even modeling and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, well, um, I love video games. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a, uh, and I love Japanese animation and all that kind of stuff. And I said, I've never done this before, but I kind of feel like I could take all of my previous acting experience and everything that I've done before and, you know, translate that into something that I really love. And uh, let's just go for it and see what happens. You know what I mean? So I kind of like stupidly didn't know what I was doing and just kind of went in for the audition anyway, just to see what would happen. And if I tanked and then I tanked and if I, if I got it, then okay, then we'll, we'll see where this takes us. And um, it was my Shenmu was my very first voiceover audition and um, I ended up getting it. You know what I mean? Oh, it's wow. like, it was, like I said, I just kind of like boldly went into it just to see what would happen. And it happened to uh, happen to be Shenmue. Happened to be oh, wow. One. So it was Shenmue. I thought um, I thought maybe you had there was maybe previous games before that. But that, uh, Shenmue was your very first. Wow, that's correct. So this is my very first uh, jump into any voiceover realm at all, because even when I had done, um, after I had done Shenmue, I came back to New York and there was a company there doing um, dubs and I had done Japanese animation after that. So all the voiceover, I, all the voiceover work that I did um, so far has actually been after Shenmue. You know what I mean? Shenmue was, Shenmue one's the very first voiceover that I ever did. Like I said, I just, I just, I kind of just went for it to see what would happen. And, uh, you know, here we are <laughs> talking about it today. Yeah, that's awesome. That that is uh, again, you know, very very beloved series. And did, at the time, did you know it, how you know how popular it ended up becoming? You know, no. So I wasn't aware of Shenmue first of all when uh, they didn't tell us what the project was. Um, later on, after the audition, I found out that I was going to be working for Sega, which was great because I was like, oh, you know, oh my god, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, um, yeah, you know one of the greatest uh you know game game creators of all time right um so uh i was unaware of the project and when i it, it's it's kind of like i don't know they didn't they told me they kind of told me a little bit during the audition a little bit about the character and a little bit about the story to kind of help me understand um you know who he is and all that kind of stuff so i could create a character during the audition but they they literally didn't tell me anything about it until I got there. So I was going into uh, Japan not knowing what I was doing, not knowing the name of the project, not knowing um, you know anything, not even what the character looked like or um, uh, where it was going to be taking place. Or I, I literally found out everything about Shenmue when I got there. They brought me in, they showed me, uh, man, just tables and tables and tables of uh, they have these big offices you know what i mean uh like computers and but japanese use a lot of paper so they had these big binders and stuff with uh all the different characters in it and i mean everything uh, not just the main characters but every street vendor has a name has a short uh uh, uh tidbit about their personality or about their about their personal story uh and and it even has their blood type has their birth date 
You know, it's like they, they, I remember looking at this stuff and flipping through the books and being like, what? I mean, street vendor who sells, uh, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter if it's flowers or hot dogs or whatever. They all had, well, I guess those are some more main characters, but I, even like grocery store people, it's like they had information about who they were. And I was like, God, this is, I've never seen anything like this before. You know, why, why would you put, uh, you know, uh, store owner number 15, why would you have his blood type? Why would you have, you know, as, uh, uh, why would you have his birth date? I was like, God, that's crazy. The amount of detail that they went into. Of course, they had their picture right by it as well. Like it was, you know, like a, like almost like a passport photo or something like that, you know? So, um, yeah, I was really surprised of all the, the, the wealth of information that they uh, presented to me when I got there. So yeah, I didn't know anything about it going in, but seeing all that stuff there, they let me know everything. You know, they, they even played some music for me. Um, they, uh, they of course talked about the storyline that we were going to be doing in Shenmue one, but even, I remember they even showed me uh, reference photos that they had taken. They said, Oh yeah, we, we uh, went, to these particular parts in Japan because we it, it was like uh, it's this small town in, in Japan, Yokosuka, and uh, we went there to take photographs and there were buildings that were built around that time and there's a bridge there and this and that and they actually showed me photos that they that that the team had they had a whole team of people go there and take all these reference photos and make all these notes and you know talking about you know, street layout and uh, I mean, everything. It was, it was incredible. And uh, that's the first time, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. That's the first time that I had ever even heard of anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I was, I was really surprised uh, after I had gotten there and, and, and received all this information. Well, that sounds like a, a fun time though. I mean, uh, you know, get yeah, me for, you know, a 19, uh, 20 year old kid to, go yeah. to japan for the first time and to see all this and realize like wow holy yeah. shit i get to i get to be a part of something <laughs> like this you know I, I i i knew it's i knew um i i just knew it was one of those things um again i didn't know exactly how it was going to end up or how uh or or what it was at the time or anything like that but when i had got what i got there i just knew i was like oh man this is like this is it this is what i've always wanted to do this is um uh and, and i'm here is experiencing it yeah well uh, being in japan i mean have you got to do anything fun over there you know some uh interesting views or you know eat a lot of different kinds of food yeah yeah of course uh and it was great there too because a lot of the um uh the people that i had just met i mean just people who worked in because when i first when i first lived there they set me up in a hotel so even just the people who worked in the hotel people who were my age of course i started to befriend uh local people around um around the area where i lived i had befriended them too so it's i got i got all these japanese friends and they took me to their favorite places and all that kind of stuff but after that um they we did have time you know for example when they had to um they they took a lot of my all the work that we had done a lot of times there's something called pickups or uh 
where basically we we work for a while and then they go through everything and they realize like oh we we messed up there or oh there was a sound there that we didn't catch so we have to redo that one or oh we had the wrong text there we changed that text because this makes more sense or um we changed the story or whatever the translation was wrong so we have to do some pickup lines um so there would be a time that i had like a whole week off so i would go to you know kyoto or something like that uh i would take the train uh take the bullet train down to kyoto enjoy the city for a few days go back um there's even a time when i went up into the mountains um up into a place called nico uh i mean just beautiful mountainscapes with all these waterfalls and all these old temples and yeah i i definitely took advantage of as much as i possibly could while i was there because i I didn't know if I was coming back, you know, I just figured like, hey, I'll, 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 I'll live it up when I can. I'm making decent money and I'll just uh, travel as much as I can, see as much as I can, be with as many people as I can and um, just experience uh, this wonderful place um, to its fullest. And uh, yeah, I was, I was very lucky. I, I met some really great people who, uh, who were very friendly and uh, showed, me, showed me a lot of Japan. It's great. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, Japan is definitely on one of my travel lists since I've been doing a lot of traveling lately. And, you know, Japan is definitely one of those spots where I, I really want to go. I mean, it looks beautiful, man. And the food. You know, yeah. I know a lot of people went there. They said the food was absolutely amazing. It is. Um, you know, with uh, it depends on where you go. Obviously, uh, Japan. It's interesting. It's interesting that Japan is such a small place. If you think about it, even to the side of California. You know what I mean? Japan's a relatively small place, but every place that you go, every town, every prefect, uh, prefecture, or um, you know, the islands down in the south or uh, up north, or um, they have a very it's, it's 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 of course Japanese. It's distinctly Japanese, but they have their own culture, they have their own language sometimes, and they have their own food. So you could get the same dish. Um, let's just say you you like uh, some sort of uh, soup dish, some sort of you know ramen type dish that that you really enjoy. If you, you you can get on a train and then go to another city, and their specialty there is oh well we live next to the coast on this side and we have a particular fish that we like to use and so their fish goes in there and then they're like oh well we we like to use um, uh, you know a miso broth or uh whatever and then you go further south and then like oh well we use a different fish or we uh we have coconuts here so we use coconut milk and you're like oh okay i thought this was ramen and like oh yeah it is but you know it's just our specialty it's how we do it so it's it's cool that um everywhere you go they all have their own sort of specialties so you get to really experience uh, a particular area not by just their people and uh, culture and uh, their, uh, I guess their, uh, you know, landscapes and buildings and all that kind of stuff. But you really get to experience through food as well. And it's, I, I think it's interesting that, um, I, I, I kind of feel like I can go to fifty states here in the in the United States and get basically the same type of food. You know what I mean? Uh, California. It's like I kind of feel like places that are big hubs like new york or los angeles or you know seattle or something like that we get we get a great fusion of food uh, of food which is i really enjoy but japan is like 
it's Japanese food, but it's all, you know, specialized for their particular district, prefecture, or whatever. And I, I just find that I find that fascinating. I, I love I love that about Japan. Yeah, man, I'm a big ramen fan. So when I okay. go there, well, that's all I'm go. gonna do, man. <laughs> you could go on a ramen tour and just experience everything from you know Hokkaido <laughs> all the way down to Okinawa. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> It, it seems like you had an amazing time in Japan. Um, also, besides your time in Japan, uh, how was it meeting uh, Yu Suzuki uh, for the first time? Um, how, was, how was that experience? Well, um, I remember, you know, it's funny. Uh, um, I, now that I've, I've, I've known Yu Suzuki for quite a while, he's very warm and friendly. And he's very, I think he's just very down to earth. Um, everything that I've ever known about him, uh, he's 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 like uh, I don't know. He's like uh, he's like a dad. You know what I mean? He's such a great, cool guy that you that you feel comfortable around. But the first time that I met him was, of course, during uh, Shenmue One. We were we were kind of just getting settled on. We had a, even started recording already, and uh, they said, "Oh, you know, Yu Suzuki's in the building. Would you?" you know he just came in would you like to meet him and i was like oh sure yeah i sure i'd like to meet him but of course i'm like oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm being all cash on the outside but you know screaming on the inside so um yeah we we went we we went up a couple of floors uh uh there's a whole crowd of people around him because you know the, the i think the I think, you know, what it is, is that when somebody is important, you know, when they're uh, a director or a creator or something like that, the, you know, it's, it's the Japanese are very much about respect and very much about seniority and very much about, um, you know, it's, it's just ingrained into their culture. So there's, and it's not even like something that he wants, I don't think. I think there's just an entourage of people who show up and everybody's like, you know, very respectful and bowing and very like quiet and solemn and, you know, very respectful and treating him like a, a demigod and everything. And <laughs> which is totally understandable. But uh, when I met him, he's just so um, warm. You know, he's not like a movie star or anything like that. He's just a, he's just a he's just a really he, he's he's one of those guys that you just want to hang out with because um um, you just feel so uh, happy around him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like because I've, I've known him for a while now, I've kind of opened up to him a bit. And I remember um, thinking to myself, I, even people here in the States, when they meet him, you know, they're, they, they, they immediately switch on the, the, uh, the Japanese respect and they, they bow to him and they, they hand him the business card, just like a Japanese person would. And, you know, it's, it's, it, that just kind of happens and i think he's used to that uh but i don't think that's kind of, i don't I, I don't i don't know but i don't think that's his thing <laughs> you know i remember um i was just thinking to myself i'm like i don't see that in him i, I kind of feel like i don't know i'm just gonna, i'm gonna see what happens and just gonna be more casual around him you know and we'll, we'll see what happens and uh, i remember when we were there he was like oh could we get a pic you suzuki asked could we get a picture uh you and me and I looked at him and I was like, no. <laughs> and, he, and he looked at me for a second and I smiled at him and he just started laughing, you know, because I was thinking, I was thinking probably nobody has ever told him no ever. 
since he's been five years old, you know, he's probably never heard the word no. <laughs> so I just, I just decided to see what would happen. And he was like, you want to get a picture? No. And he gave me that look like, what? No one's ever said no to me. Yeah. But then he opened up, you know, and he laughed and, you know, he put his arm around me and everything. And I was like, yeah, that, that, I, this is, he's just a cool guy. He's a really, um, uh, you know, cool guy is how, is how I put it. But I, what it is too, is that I know when he um, talks about Shenmue, um, you know, we've talked about it before in the past. We've talked about Shenmue 3 and Shenmue Legacy and where it's going and all that. He, um, he, he gets really, I can tell there's a gleam in his eye when he talks about Shenmue. You know, it's, it's one of, it's, it's more than just a job. It really is a passion for him. He really does love what he, what he, what he's created. He puts all of his time and effort, um, not just to, not just for a paycheck. He really loves what he does and he puts all of his all of himself into it, all of his energy. Um, and you can tell when he talks about it. It's it's funny when I when we're talking about Shenmue 3, I remember it's it's almost like uh he's talking about one of his kids, you know, and he's so proud of his kid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's never talked to me about his kids going to soccer practice for <laughs> for an American <laughs> reference, but but I, I, I just kind of got this like feeling of like, oh man, he really, you know, this, this is like his magnum opus, you know, this is, this is where he's put all of his, um, um, all of his, his, all of his passion, all of his effort. Into it. Yeah. So he, 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 that, that's how he approaches Shenmue as well. It's, it's, it's something that he lives, breathes. It's, 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 it, it he's putting himself out there for us to, uh, to, to enjoy. I mean, you could definitely tell. I mean, when I remember playing the first game, it was ahead of its time. I don't, you know, remember a game being that ambitious right. at the time. And that's what gravitated me towards the Dreamcast. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Dreamcast itself was a console that was ahead of its time. It felt like having an arcade in your own home. But yeah. when, I played, when I played Shenmue, I, didn't, I couldn't really remember a game that was like a linear open world-ish type town where – you literally could just, you know, you could go to the, the the store and buy a bag of chips. You couldn't eat them, but you, it was just like, I don't know. You could just, I could buy a bag of chips or, um, you know, the cat in the game, you could feed the cat. Like it, it's kind of like a little small portion of a cat simulator taking care of a, a cat. And then just kind right. of going up to everybody and being like, hey, hello. Um, did you see the black car that day? Right. <laughs> And then just even asking people, how's it going? You know, yeah, how's, like, how's, how's, how's your shop? How's your, you know, what, what's going on? And people tell them their life story. Yeah. It was funny. Like when you're not, when you're not doing anything story wise, you literally, yeah, you go to people be like, Hey, how's business? And they're like, Oh, well, we're business is all right. You know, all my customers have slowed down. And then the, what I would do on purpose in Shenmue was I would wait till Christmas and then you would have Santa Claus walking up right. the street. Right. And uh -huh. then like it was, you know, it, you could tell he put a lot into part, you know, it, all the games. I mean, it was just a very ambitious game. Mm. And I loved it. I mean, I still love it to this day. And then, you know, um, speaking of that, what I wanted to uh, jump into as well is uh, what, what was it that you loved about the Rio 
the Ryo Hazuki character. Yeah. And what 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 have you seen in his growth the past three games besides his um, his attractiveness apparently has definitely gone better because I've noticed in the other games um, he's getting hit on more and more and more. So <laughs> besides it's, that, what has uh, how has has his growth been for right. you? you know, the past it's, it's his gravitas that people are starting to be attracted to. They're like, oh, this guy has seen some, you know, he's <laughs> he's seen some shit. He's like, he's really yeah, he's he's like a man. He's young, but he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you, like know, Shenmue 3, you get hit on like left and right and Shenmue 3 it's like oh you're really cute we should hang out <laughs> <laughs> um so you know one thing that uh I've always loved about Hazuki is how well first of all how disciplined he is and how driven he is uh and that's why I I you know they talked about uh when, even just during the audition they talked about who he was um you know he's his father is a is a great martial arts teacher. Has passed down um, his style to his son, uh, and, and I kind of started to imagine just that. You know what I mean? A very disciplined, uh, uh, you know, young martial artist who, uh, who 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 has a focus. You know, and uh, that's something that I that I uh, that I admire about him. How he. It, it's like you know he he jumps you kind of feel like he's one of the characters that jumps into danger head head first you know headlong into danger without without looking <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. he's 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 kind of like he he is, he is the tip of the spear you know he is the one that's going to go in there jump in there do what's right no matter what no matter the danger no matter um, how crazy it is, it doesn't matter if it's a seventy-man fight <laughs> or if it's a or if it's a gigantic, you know, uh, four hundred-pound giant, you know, Don Yu or a, a a a killer that may be into some sort of metaphysical, magical, you know, mirrors and who can literally pick you up with one hand. It doesn't matter who it is; he's going straight in because that's the right thing to do. He's going to stop evil people. He's going to rescue Nozomi. It does, you know, it, 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 he just does it. And a lot of people in the story tell him that he's stupid. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're going to kill yourself. That's crazy. Don't do that. But um, he doesn't let that stop him. So, you know, there's, there's, there's always that fine line between stupidity and bravery. And I guess the difference is success and failure, right? Like if he were to go into a 70-man fight and die, people would be like, oh, yeah, he was dumb. But you know what I mean? Hazuki just knows he's going to win. He just It's like it's like Musashi, right? Musashi says when you can defeat 10 opponents, it's the same thing as 100 being able to defeat 1,000. So he, he knows going into a battle that he's going to win. You know, and, and if he fails, gets up, brushes himself off, learns some new kung fu moves, and comes back and beats him again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he he just he has that innate knowledge that, or, or, or instinct, really, I guess I should say that uh, that nothing's gonna stop him from doing what he thinks is right, and he has a strong moral compass. That's something that I've really loved about Hazuki, his character, and how he has decided to define his life um and how he has changed over time you know i i really do feel 
that his life ended that day. It was his birthday, the day that the rain turned to snow, the black car, the day his dad died, was murdered. I really do believe that his old self died there. He gave up everything. He gave up his family, uh, the, what was left, you know, Ine-san and Baku, uh, Fukuhara-san, who, you know, they're not, they're, 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 you know, they're close enough to be considered family members, right? He leaves his home behind. He leaves uh, probably somebody who was supposed to be his wife, maybe in the future, you know, it's kind of like, I think probably people were assuming that Nozomi and Hazuki would be together. And he left his town. Uh, he, he left everything behind to go on this mission, right? But then his story is all about what him realizing what's important. We hear this same theme over and over again. It's family and friends. Those are the things that he needs to keep close to him. And Iwau uh, talks about that in the beginning of the story. So he has put up this huge wall and he's on this track and he's getting, he's going to go there. He's going to get his revenge no matter what. But then as he goes along this journey, he meets people, he discovers, um, uh, you know, other places, other lands. Uh, but then he realizes that all these uh, people who come into his life are the things that are most important. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's the old Kung Fu master in the park who's, who's uh, teaching him the iron palm, or if it's the young girl in the street when she takes care of the cat. He realizes that we all need to be together. I'm not, you know, you can't be just one person what makes what what is making him more whole on his journey is everybody else right so that is him he's going on this journey of discovery that um he needs to he needs to be he needs to let more people in his life whether that be shenhua or um or uh he needs to have more friends more mentors you know more more uh uh people in his life that are going to that's what's going to fill this hole you know this void that's now within him so that's it's a theme that we see over and over and over again in Shenmu and I I really hope that a lot of people pick up on that and realize that uh family and friends are the most important thing it doesn't matter you, you know you're your house could burn down, your, you know, you, you could wake up tomorrow and your school could be destroyed. You know, it's like none of that, none of that stuff matters. It's just, it's just your loved ones that, that matter the most. And we, we see that. Uh, and I, 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 and I appreciate that. And, and I, I, that's, that's the journey that I, that I identify with a lot. Uh, when I see, uh, Hazuki, uh, he, he, he's becoming whole again. You know what I mean? He's becoming a person again, and it's slow. It's it's slowly happening, but we can see even in Shenmu three that he's opening up more to Shenhua, and he's he's he talks about you know she talks about her her family and her village and her father and all that kind of stuff. So he he's absorbing that, and he's becoming a person again. He's becoming whole. That's that's what I see this journey of him going on. It, there there is this um, outline story of adventure and revenge but i think it's more it's the story of uh somebody who's lost everything and is and is now becoming whole again that's what i see Shenmue. yeah i kind of i kind of picked up on it towards the end of shenmu one when nozomi got kidnapped and then you kind of see him like oh my god like all worried and 
stuff like that. The growth, it, it's definitely what you're saying with family and friends. Hazuki seems to be opening up a lot more than, you know, in the beginning of the game. And as it gravitated on more hours yeah. of the game, he started to open up a lot more and, you know, everything like that. But the determination is still there to one day get Londi. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, that's that's still that drive, that drive and that determination that I talked about, his focus. That's that's something that uh, that that still propels him on this journey. So yeah, that's that's what's gonna that's what's gonna get us there, <laughs> right? His determination. And uh, before we get to the next question, uh, we have Corey Marshall here on the Inner Moms Basement Podcast. We're just gonna take a quick break at, for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Are you looking to start a podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. They offer a lot of great services, such as their creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. Did I forget to mention that it's free? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started uh well thank you uh thank you for that our sponsor there and again uh in our mom's basement our first podcast of 2021 we have Corey marshall here the voice of rio hazuki um and what is the next question we have for Corey? yeah so yeah actually uh i've seen you've been doing some streaming uh you know yeah. shamu and stuff i want to how, how are your streams going you know uh you, you get to meet a lot of people from that shamu community i do so uh um it goes like this uh i i didn't know if streaming would be a thing for me you know uh the thing is i've had i've had a lot of fans ask me to stream they said do you stream you should stream why don't you stream <laughs> so i was like I, I mean i don't know i didn't know if people would be into it i just uh i, I don't know i just i kind of figured well maybe people would enjoy seeing me stream i don't maybe they would maybe they would um, but I just had enough people ask me, and I said, okay, fine, I think I need to do this. So I set myself up, I started streaming. Uh, you know, I'm just streaming on the PS4 right now, uh, nothing too fancy. And I got actually a, a, a really large response, and I really enjoy it. I like playing, so I'm playing Shenmue right now, I'm also playing Yakuza. Um, probably continue playing some more Sega games for a while, and uh, uh, of course, uh, I just finished Shenmue 2, so I'll be going into Shenmue 3. Um, actually tomorrow but i think what's great is that i get to sit down play these games and i love the games myself i'm actually a big fan and so i get to play these games that i love and then hang out with people you know people ask me questions people come on say hey uh people are like oh uh, you know i'm so happy to see that you're streaming i used to play this game when i was a kid i'm yeah, it makes me happy to see it again and then they'll ask me stuff about, you know, same guys, same thing that you guys are asking me, you know, how, how is you Suzuki? Or how was it you know, um, doing the voice or whatever? And it's cool. I, I get to, I get to do something that I love and, and hang out with the fans all the time. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. It's, it's really a lot of fun. I didn't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I expected <laughs> that, but it's just, it's kind of like hanging out with a bunch of friends uh, because it, it, everybody so far has been so cool, you know. Everybody has just been, um, you know, when they get on, they'll they'll ask questions and all that stuff. But then we start to talk, and we just start to talk about whatever. And we, we were talking about 
food and video games the other day and um what else sometimes just conversations get random you know a lot of times yeah it is about shamu it is about voice acting somebody's like oh what what do you you know what's a common oh what do you recommend for people who want to get into the voiceover business i'll talk about that for a while but then yeah sometimes we're just talking about oh what's your gym workout routine <laughs> or something like that you know? uh, so yeah it's it's cool i love it it's great random question because we have dan the pizza man here and sometimes we ask this to our guests guests does pineapple yeah. go on pizza um <laughs> like there's a there's an end button right next to me real quick <laughs> uh -huh. how about I, i'll say that i don't put pineapple it's acceptable <laughs> okay yeah i mean especially you know i've talked about fusion food here there's some crazy stuff that people put on their pizza i mean some pretty pretty crazy stuff and in, in japan too they like to put crazy stuff on their pizza you know, Japanese, they, they love to put mayonnaise on everything. They put oh, my mayonnaise. God. Really? Mayonnaise on pizza? Yeah, they put a big fried egg right in the middle of it. Yeah, just all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. Oh, they put uh, fish flakes on it, too, you know? just Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I thought I seen it all once I saw a Caesar salad on a pizza, but I didn't even know there was <laughs> it expanded that far out. Uh, <laughs> the mayonnaise and, and – <laughs> I've heard, I've heard like, a uh, the egg stuff, but it was more like a breakfast pizza. I didn't know uh, – they would just randomly just do it. Yeah, yeah. They'll put all kinds of uh, toppings on the pizza and then like a big old fried egg right in the middle. Oh, wow. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, one of my good buddies, uh, he's also a big Shenmue fan uh, of the Gutter Nerds. He wanted me to ask you this. And also, I, on top of that, wanted to ask this question as well. Are there times when maybe you're drinking a soda or when it's time for bed, <laughs> you just kind of bust out the Rio Hazuki voice and you're just kind of like, ah, good. Or maybe yeah. when it's time for bed, you look at your watch and you're like, oh, wow, time for bed. Right. <laughs> Anything like that. Right. Does that. Does that ever happen at all? Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I will do the Coke. I will do the uh, the soda thing from time to time because that's like uh, uh, and my daughter knows about it, too. You know, she. <laughs> She's watched me play Shenmue. She's played Shenmue herself. So, yeah, I'll, I'll do the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and they'll laugh at me. Do you, ah. Could you chug a coffee as fast as Rio could chug a coffee? Man, he, he... So, he yeah, he drinks half of it in one go, look <laughs> at it, and then chugs the rest. Wow, that's... I mean, he's got he's to gotta go, though. You know, he's got revenge on his brain. <laughs> he, I mean, he, um... Whenever he's old enough, when he's 21, I wonder maybe he should enter in a beer drinking contest or something because true man, he could he, slam that, pick a pitcher, beer, and just yeah, <laughs> das boot. He's slamming drinks down quick. I remember when I first played it, I was like, wow, I was like this. I was like, I I was excited because I could buy a soda in a video game, which I could never do in a video game, and he's just slamming them down. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I mean, when you're jogging everywhere um you know you, you got to keep up that energy so yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely but uh it's it, it's i was in your stream one time and you did say the uh uh good quote you do have oh, some nice <laughs> you saw it's funny i haven't done that in a while so you probably caught the last one you do have some one-liners Corey. It, it's uh there are there are some great shenmue one-liners that have come out of that game so um, oh yeah it's, it's great it's great um one question i wanted to uh ask as well um, you know, obviously with Shenmue 3, we waited it, 13 years later, 
It came out after two. Um, let's just say that was it. There was no more Shenmue. There was no, uh, let's say, unfortunately, Shenmue. There's no more Shenmue after the third game. Yeah. What would you want uh, the community and the fans, what would you want the legacy of Shenmue to be um, if, there was no, if there was no more games after the third one? Yeah. So what would I want the legacy to be? Yeah. That's a good question. If there are no more games, what do I want the legacy to be? You know, it, 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 it's kind of, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, because we're, we're not going to get a completion of the game, right? But I think um, Hazuki can be an inspiration to people. I, we, we talked about it before, right? The determination, the, the, uh, the, the focus that he has. People could, could be inspired by that. They could say, I really want something. I really want... Um, you know, I, I want a podcast, right? So, well, I mean, I need all these things. I need uh, computers, microphone, I need whatever. So they could be laser focused on that. They could do something every day or, and, and then get something toward their goal every week or uh, whatever that case, whatever that is for them, they can, you know, create, they could, Take those lessons that they've learned from Shenmue. Don't let anything get in your way. Be determined. Don't let anybody else tell you that you can't do it. Um, uh, and, and do what you want to do, you know, to get your podcast going, get your streaming going, whatever the case may be. And and again, the, the other thing I talked about is family and friends. You know, I think people should learn those lessons. Those are some some very important uh or or maybe you know the most important lesson in Shenmue so I think I think people could you know just just uh, since we're not going to get a completion of the story they could they could take those moments that we see that we've or that we've already gotten in Shenmue and you could apply those things to your life and, I, and I've I've been told that people have done that they've changed their life because of Shenmue people have said I didn't know what I was going to do in life until I started playing Shenmue and then I realized I want to design games and then they they started going to school for it. They changed their life, and now they're now they're making games. Um, now they're uh, b b or even more something that's really interesting. I remember um, people saying that they took a took a journey to Japan and they went on the same route that Hazuki did. Started in Yokosuka, started going to different towns there in Japan, went over to Hong Kong. And then went out to more rural villages out in China and realized that, you know, these kids don't have the same opportunities as some of the kids in the larger city. A gentleman decided to become a teacher there in China, actually lived and worked there in China and decided to uh, give an education to these children who wouldn't normally get the opportunity to uh to experience something like that. They didn't they didn't have the the ability to go to school because they didn't they didn't have a facility they didn't have books they didn't have they didn't have people to do it they would have just you know um become farmers or whatever their destiny would have uh written for them already but now they have the opportunity to do something else because of of and it's so it's so humbling that i can be a part of a game that has affected so many lives in so many ways that somehow i was a part of something you know, I was just a young kid at the time when when I first did Shenmue, but I didn't I I knew I was a part of uh, a big, you know, game 
that was designed by Sega, and I I, I was really excited by that. But I, I couldn't have imagined that it would have had such a profound effect on people. Uh, I, I've I, people have told me um, I was sick in bed, and the only thing that made me happy was playing Shenbu. So you 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 brightened my life. Some people have had depression issues. Some people have had um uh uh just large negative things in their life that somehow Shenmo was able to bring them out of that was able to inspire them was able to get them through whatever problems that they're having um and i was just a small part of that uh you know there's a whole team over in sega and of course yu suzuki uh, is you know because of him we have Shenmo. but i'm i'm just so i'm so humbled that somehow i could be a part of something that has changed so many lives in such a positive way and that's that's part of the legacy of shinmu already um and i i i hope that we get more so we could affect more lives and we could um get more story out there and um maybe some younger generation could experience some um some of that magic that uh that people have uh told me about throughout the years yeah man that's uh that's great man um i mean that's it's really nice to hear those kind of stories and how games affect people's lives. Cause you know, it's, it's a pretty common thing, you know, games all, you know, have a powerful message for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because you know, I, we, we get these things with TV series and movies and, and uh, yeah, I think books that, that happens a lot with books um, that a book can have a profound effect on people. But I think the reason that video games does is because you are participating in it. It's a story that you get to unfold, um, that you get to dive into, that you get, to, you know, and I, and I made the analogy with books uh, changing people's lives. Shenmu is like a good book where you, you leave your reality for a while. You step out of your living room and you kind of feel like you're there. You kind of feel like you're in the box. You you feel like you're Hazuki. You're running around. You're doing things. You're opening up chores. You're okay. you're talking to store owners. You're doing whatever. And then you go on your mission. You rescue Nozomi, or um, you know, you bust up some gangsters, and you you leave. I, I kind of feel uh, when I that's how I felt when I was playing Shamu for the first time. I kind of just was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm back. Oh, I'm in reality. I forgot about this for a second. I, I feel because because Shenmu um, does uh, put you into a different headspace for a while. That's that's how I compare it to a good book. Because if you sit down with something, you can't stop turning the pages. It's it's you, you forget what time it is. You know, so you might you might look up and be like, "Whoa, man! It's been it's one o'clock in the morning. I've been reading for whatever twelve hours or something." God, God, I can't believe it. So yeah, Shenmue is kind of like that. You know, sometimes you'll be playing for hours and hours and hours. Okay, I got, I got, I got to get up for work in the morning, so I should probably turn this off now. I, I think that's probably why it's had so much effect on people because uh, games do that a lot nowadays because they're so immersive. They're so, uh, you know, Shenmue is is one of those games that is the base of the pillar. You know what I mean? And everything else is built up on top of that. All these games that we love and know today, we talked about uh, we talked about Breath of the Wild. You know, it could be any, it could be Red Dead. It could be uh, God of War. You know, there's these big open worlds nowadays because of Shenmue. So Shenmue is like one of the, there's several pillars. 
And Shenmue is one of the bases of that pillar. And all of these great games that we know and love today is because of Shenmue, you know? Um, so yeah, all of these all of these games that that are so immersive that make us lose time that that uh, that make us feel like we went on these adventures mm-hmm. to make us feel like we rescued the princess to make us feel like we that we jumped into that raging river to make us feel like we we were the ones scaling those buildings uh, in London or whatever the case may be you know you're 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 discovering secrets you're you're uh uh you're busting up bad guys or whatever the case may be you you almost feel like you're there from time to time and it's getting crazier now virtual reality and everything else yeah. <laughs> VR, get into that. you mentioned how games have like helped people and stuff like that i will say that one game that came out in 2020 that definitely will go in the history of you know definitely helping people obviously was during when covid really hit really bad was animal crossing um, oh yeah you know, Animal yeah. Crossing came out at a time where every everything you, everyone was quarantined. There was nothing to do, and mm-hmm. Animal Crossing New Horizons comes around, and there was people I was seeing, and there was bringing people together. It was bringing joy because you know there was you know all this that was going on, and I even heard of people that have never played video games before in their life go get a Switch and get Animal Crossing, yeah. and it was just bringing it was a joyful thing when that game came out because it was bringing people together, you know, and it was just, it was one of those games where it was just laid back and you're building an Island and you're, you know, you're building a community of, of the animals and stuff like that. So I, I think that game um, will go, you know, and who knows if it'll go down history, but I think that game was as a staple of, um, you know, people who were going through, you know, whether it be depression or anything yeah. like that, I think has, has, you know, helped people. And I think it should. I think it should go down in history. I, I find it fascinating that it doesn't have to be hyper realistic in order for it to be, you know, a popular game. It doesn't have to be uh, super dynamic with its controls, or you know, it, it 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 can be something nice and simple. It can have cute characters. It can have nice melodies. You know, stuff that you just want to chill to. You know, like you said, you're building you're building houses. You're building an island. You're you're cleaning up the beach. You're collecting fossils. You're <laughs> right. Paying down that loan. Go paying off the loan. Yeah, that's the best one. <laughs> exactly. Oh my outstanding loan. I finally got enough bells or whatever the Tom game. Nook. Yeah. Tom Nook's not gonna I remember the first game, he used to chase you around, right? I say uh, I never played the first one, but I remember he used to chase you around asking for asking for his loan. He doesn't do that nowadays, but the the very first one I, the very first one I played was on GameCube and yeah he was yeah, more, GameCube he was more like walking around town like where's my damn where's my uh, loan shark that he is where's my Break damn your kneecaps if you don't where's my money you know Animal Crossing talk about a game that has brought people together you're right people have had weddings on Animal Crossing people have had the best thing which is a wedding right. Or baby shower. Those are some of the best things. People have had some of the some of the saddest things too. People have actually had funerals on Animal Crossing. Yeah, everything from uh, family get-togethers to classrooms. I've seen classrooms with Animal Crossing. I celebrated New Year's with my villagers in Animal Crossing. Um, they had, they you know, I, I, we were, you know, holidays of course were different. So Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. you know, you celebrated the holidays through Animal Crossing, uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, or you know, Hanukkah. And, yeah. you know, and New Year's, I mean, it was just, again, I, I agree that it definitely should go down as that, that game that 
um, when COVID hit. Really was- defined uh, uh, where we were in gaming in 2020, for sure. Yeah. So jumping a little bit back uh, into topic, but more of a, a fun question here. You know, besides Shenmue, is there any other games that you would have loved to do some voice acting for? Love to do voice acting for? Yeah, there's a lot of great games out there. God, where do I even start? <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, would, I, I don't know. I mean, would you have loved to have done the voice on Resident Evil 1? If you like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah so i remember playing resident evil one and uh of course it was a great game but uh you know yeah so that <laughs> <laughs> you bring that you bring that up so shinmu is known for its um quirky voice acting from time to time and uh so yeah i don't know <laughs> see resident evil really did start its own legacy in a way though didn't it didn't it yeah so I mean, I, I have hated to be part of the the first uh uh <laughs> resident evil yeah i, I don't know <laughs> i mean i would i would have liked i would have liked you have heard you say you almost turned into a jill sandwich i think that would have been <laughs> yeah so it, it would have been a completely different character though yeah, yeah. it would have been more obviously I would have tried to make it more. It's it because it's it, it's its own thing though. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it, it's it, it it's 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 in its own realm of how, um, and I like in the the remake of Resident Evil, they kind of made fun of themselves for the voice acting job. You know, the voice yeah. acting that went in the Resident Evil one. Yeah, well, you know, it was just a different world back then. They they sometimes they hired people who. Um, you know, because I mean, I had different disciplines as well, right? Like, I wasn't a voice actor. I was, I was, I was basically a stage actor. I had done, um, like I said, I had done all kinds of stuff. I had been on TV and films before, but my main thing is stage acting, and that's real different. Stage acting is real different than voice acting. Uh, real different than acting on film. You know, in theater, you really have to be big and outrageous, and sometimes over the top and um even when you're trying to be subtle and think about something internally you still have to you know you have to emote (laughs) you still have to project your voice i mean somehow whisper to you know somebody your secret plans but make sure that the person in the back of the audience can still hear you you know so it's it's completely different game so yeah i don't know they they hired people who you know maybe they had other things that they did in life and they had never done voice acting before, or maybe they didn't even hire professionals at all. And I mean, that's, I mean, that, that kind of happened to us too. And uh, Shenmue one and two in Japan, we had a whole uh, myriad of voice actors, but each voice actor, pardon me, each voice actor is doing like 10, you know, 12 different voices, but it's like, okay, maybe we, maybe we need to get some other people in here. And they started to find people. They just started to find actors or not actors. They just started to find people who were, I guess, native speakers. And this is workers. This is people who were there. There are some people were in the Like some people were from the base, like there are military people that they asked to come in and, and to some of the voices. And sometimes it's just like, Oh, you speak English. You want to be in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so that's that's kind of some of the, I would say some of the quirky voice acting that we got in Shenmue One and Two as well. It's just like we we had 
basically all of the best professionals. I mean, we talk about people like, uh, you know, Paul Lucas and Eric Kelso and Liesl Wilkerson and all those people, they're like all professionals. They, they had done Sega games before they, they do. Every, I mean, they do everything. They do everything from the voice that you hear in the train when the doors opening and closing to, you know, virtual fighter or something. Uh, we had all of those people in Shenmue and then we had the, the, I know they just kind of had to scrounge around and find as many native speakers as they possibly could you know? alright so Shenmue just finished you know brand new copy just came out you popped it in your console and your first time playing it how did it feel to hear your voice oh look that, that's me you know how did that feel yeah in Shenmue 1 so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did have that moment, you know, of, of like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great to, to know that that's me, that I, that I did it, that I was a part of this. Um, I, you know, I guess you could say I did, I did have that moment of uh, happiness, of pride, you know. Um, but then I just started playing the game <laughs> because, yeah, I love the game. I, I, I think it's fun. And I just started playing it. And um i kind of forgot about it you know and i think you're talking about some of the, the some of the famous one-liners of course i think about it then when i'm drinking soda i think about it then <laughs> but yeah most of the time i think i'm just enjoying the game you know i'm just i'm just in, i'm just uh you know the pleasure of uh of what shinmu is so the first times you know firing it up and hearing that it's it was cool and of course you get the shinmu one you get that uh that famous scene at the very beginning probably not going to ruin it for anybody who's who hasn't played it before but yeah at the very beginning of the story traumatic uh events happen uh so that th there's that big scene at the very beginning that yeah i got to hear myself and and yeah i'm just watching it like a cinema i'm not i'm not having to play that part uh one uh one question here before we get to our final question what is your what was your favorite uh task to do in shenmue like job or chore i'm not gonna i'm not gonna include the forklifts because i know everybody loved Love the forklift. Yeah, forklift everyone, races, right? Awesome. Oh my god, everyone loved the forklift. Um, was it carrying books in Shenmue Two? Was it in Shenmue Three, chopping wood? Uh, Shenmue Two, or uh, the I think you got to chase ducks in Shenmue Two. <laughs> right, or right. Shenmue Three, you were chasing chickens. What one was? What was racing, racing the ducks in uh, oh, racing Shenmue the ducks. Three. I'm sorry. Yes, you're racing catching, the ducks. catching the chickens in Shenmue Three. Um, you know, actually, it's funny. You brought up wood chopping. I think wood chopping is probably the 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 most fun. I know some people go on to Shinmu and like fish all day, like oh. that. That they just like, oh, I did nothing but fish all day today. I like fished for four hours. It's like really, that's all you did in Shinmu today is that like, you just went fishing, <laughs> you know? But yeah, as far as tasks, yeah, I think chopping wood. I don't know why it, it feels so cathartic right you're you're lining it up and you just smash it and you, you know. yeah the, the the books thank goodness you suzuki took out the books in shenmue 3 because that those books <laughs> drove me crazy i was like why do i have to and it was like it was a time i, I think you woke up at like eight and then you're there at like nine or ten and you're not mm -hmm. done to 11 i'm like man i could have asked around town i could have went gambling like i'm here right. freaking carrying when i was younger I used to just purposely drop the books and fail because I just couldn't take it. I just, I just dropped, I dropped everything. And I was like, I, I need, I need to get out of here. But then as I got older, I was like, wait a minute, they give you move scrolls. Right. So exactly. let me actually do this 
so right. get the move scrolls. So, you know, me being yeah. a young rage quitter back then, I dropped the books. To- <laughs> and as you earned your name, rage quit. Yeah. And I learned my <laughs> discipline. I got, I, like you say in the game, you learn discipline. I learned my discipline. I was like, let me carry these books and let me get my move scrolls. Discipline, patience, right? Yes. You, you, you learn the value of doing something that you don't necessarily like to do. And, but, but then, you, like you said, you get that scroll, you get that prize, you get that new move. And then you go and you try it out and you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But when I was younger, I didn't know any better. And I was just like, screw, the, I was like, screw these damn books out of the hell. I don't care about them. Yeah. So, yeah, as- yeah. That's that yeah. it, same, same thing with me. You know what I mean? I, I uh, being young myself, I mean, I, w- I was like in my 20s, right? So, yeah, being my- young myself, it's like, oh man, we got we really got to do this. We really got to do these books. I got to run home every day, you know? It's like, oh. <laughs> I got to run home and then go to sleep. That's kind of crazy. But uh, that's all part of Shinmu, right? It teaches you, uh, you know, it's not it's not exact time, but it it it, it tells you about time. Not every store is open up at 7 a.m. Oh, some of them open up at 10. Oh, shit. Well, what do I do? Okay, well, I could, oh, I could go, like you said, go earn some money. I could go carry some boxes in Shenmue uh, 2, right? Earn some cash. Or I could, uh, like you said, gambling or something like that. I got to go do something. How about a game of Lucky Hit? <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay. Now it's 10 o'clock. Now we can go to this, the barber shop or whatever the case is. So. I. I've seen uh, I've seen some of the tricks, uh, Corey, in your streams with Shenmo. You uh, saving the game and then reloading it to make sure you win. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 I blame that on Coralik. We so Adam Coralik was like, "Oh man, what are you doing? Why are you like? Why are you carrying boxes?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Just go gamble." And I'm like, "Yeah, man, but I'm just you know you're gonna lose the money." It's like, "No, this is what you do." He told me to go to warehouse number ten because that's where you can bet like. $800 or something. You can max out. Was it 800? No, there's 800 over in uh, Kowloon. I think over there is 400. You can max out at 400. And he's like, this is what you do. Just save. Okay, yeah. save. All right. Now, there's no strategy. Just you win or you lose. And if you lose, you re you uh, you reboot. And if you win, then you save. And I was like, oh, damn. Like, oh, so this is like, this is like dark side. This is like, uh, this is like some Sith move here. And he's like, oh. <laughs> That's what I had to do in Shenmue 3, by the way. So be prepared to do that again in, in Shenmue 3. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. In fact, I in fact I started doing it again. I think it was in Kowloon. I found that, I think it's just roll it on top where yes. you can max out at 800. And I was like, 800? Oh man, I'm doing I'm doing the, uh, the dark side Hazuki right now. Here we go. Save max out save again <laughs> um, i ended up finishing the game with like four thousand dollars or something so so we Corey, we actually do have a um question here in our chat from uh sailor moon um one uh, sailor Moon's in the chat? yeah Excellent. we have <laughs> we have sailor moon underscore one seven and uh the question is if there was anything that you could change about the story um what would you change about the story if you could if there's anything that you would change Oh, well, I mean, the only thing I think the only thing I wish I could change about the story is that we we could have stayed on track um, between Shenmue 2 and Shenmue 3. I've talked about this a little bit before, but I I feel that Shenmue 3 is like the bridge to get us back on track. Shenmue 3 is the game that we play uh, that that is that that 
gets us along in the story, right? We we progress a bit more in the story, but I know that there, I, I just know that there was probably things that needed to happen uh, that we didn't get a chance to experience. Um, so that's fine. That gets us to Shenmue 4. Uh, of course, we had this big gap between two and three. I just, I wish that we were able to continue that because all of these wonderful things that I've talked about, all the great stuff that Yu Suzuki has in mind, I want him to be able to get that out, to express that to all of us. So the only thing I wish that would happen is that, <laughs> you know, uh, two years later, we would have Shenmue 3, and then two more years, we'd have Shenmue 4, you know, yeah. but we, we we had this big, long gap. We were able to do a, a, an awesome Kickstarter. We had, we broke all those records for, for Kickstarter, and and now we got Shenmue 3, which is like, this great um continuation um but now it's like well what else you know it's like those things that we've been thinking about all that time well what what is you know what, what's going on with landy and and all of his uh uh all, all the other uh the all the other members that we are finding out about what's going on with the mirrors what's the what's the sword of the seven stars like what's going on there those those things that we all had all these questions to i just like oh man i know that we're we're going to be able to get answers to these questions in Shenmue four and and maybe even five, you know. So that that that's the only thing that I wish is that I think we all wish that yeah, two years after Shenmue two that we got three and we were able to continue how we wanted to. Um, how we wanted to you know get all the the story just right. I know that I I've seen um, sort of basic storyline from uh one uh to beyond and i remember seeing the chapters and how the book uh, how the games were supposed to be chaptered out um so it's like yeah you know we we did we did the the best that we could with the kickstarter and i think we got a great game out of it it was so beautiful we were able to continue those stories uh we we got to experience a, a bailu village we spent time with shenhua but it's like th those those big questions that that uh we had at the end of two um we didn't get a chance to experience that as much as i think a lot of fans and me and you know and everybody else wanted to we wanted to get some of those answers so it's like oh i can't wait can't wait for four the, the and beyond We'll see. I, yeah, the, the hope for me as a huge fan is that maybe say this opens the eyes of uh sega and they kind of maybe jump back in because as much as I love Shenmue 3, the, uh, you know, a part of me as a huge fan was missing a little bit with Sega not being, right. not being there. Not being a part of it. Yeah. yeah, and Sega not being a part of it. Um, so hopefully this opens their eyes with, you know, the, how, how great Shenmue did in, in Kickstarter yeah. and everything like that and hope that, you know, fingers crossed, I want a Shenmue 4, that whenever we do get a Shenmue 4, that they're, you know, back in in the fold yeah. but you know fingers crossed yeah a lot of people have expressed uh the exact same thing you know um uh, that would be fascinating if uh, sega decided to throw their hat back in the ring you know that that would really bring a lot of uh strength you know a lot of power uh back into uh the ability to tell the story you know um but we it's interesting we that's one of the, one of, that's yeah, one of the exactly right we, we want more sonic capsules yeah. <laughs> um uh you know the thing is is that um 
there there was a lot uh so so we got other companies involved you know deep silver uh um and we and we learned some lessons through just uh distribution like it didn't sell so well over here uh but it sold amazing over here i mean like for example it it, it didn't sell so well in japan which was a little bit uh, surprising for people um for 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 some people anyway and then like it sold really really well over in europe and particularly in the in the uk i had a lot of uk fans tell me like we can't even get it here like we're we're oh, wow, that's every crazy. time every time it comes out on the shelves they're gone and there's like we can't even get it on amazon uh amazon uk was completely sold out and they had to wait for it to uh to come i was like wow that's awesome great <laughs> you know um so i think we learned some valuable lessons there too so i think we take all those lessons and there's all that money that's been infused from the companies that got involved with Shenmue 3 and man i mean if, if sega comes back and um that that would be quite a uh, that'd be quite a powerhouse we would we would get uh, we would get a fantastic game i think yu suzuki would be able to do anything he wants with with all with all those teammates you know yeah finger fingers crossed for the future uh for shenmue um you know it was painful I would talk about it all the time, like, my gosh, everyone would ask me, what's the one game you're excited for? Shenmue 3. It's never coming out. I'm like, yes, it is. It's going to come out. <laughs> it's never going to come out. Yes. Yes, it is. You know, it's funny. I, I always say that um, the fans really did just keep it alive no matter what. I, I, I still say to this day that the fans are what got Shenmue 3 made. You know, if Yu Suzuki... Think about it, you know, Yu Suzuki, that, that's his big passion in life. But, you know, if it didn't work out, somebody like him's got to move on. You know, he's got like, okay, well, let's, let's make other great games. I have other really great ideas. I have, uh, um, you know, I, I got a job to do. <laughs> um, so he's, he's going he's gonna to move on and make other amazing projects. Uh, but you know for his entire life that he's always been dogged. By Shenmue. People were always asking him about Shenmue. All, all the fans all over the world. You know, I mean, like when he when he decided to make his own company, do you think it how easy would it for for Yu Suzuki to come out with a game um that is simple to make, a fighting game, a racing game, some stuff that he's that that he's done before, and then just make tons of money off of it? You know, how how easy would it be to make a uh a, a, a game that's that's relatively simple development wise and then they could just sell tons and tons of copies that, that would be a piece of cake you could definitely do that um but he decided to do shenmue 3 of course it's it's his passion project i've talked about that before but you know that nobody would ever leave him alone ever you or all the fans or anybody it's like that's i'm sure that's all he hears all day long shenmue when's shenmue 3 gonna come out when are you gonna do shenmue come on why don't you do, you know it's <laughs> and fans just go nuts whenever any like picture or anything gets released I, I remember one time i was in vegas and um uh there was a hit? what's that are you playing lucky hit <laughs> well check this out <laughs> I, I was I was just I was going along in one of the uh one of the hotels and they had a big arcade there. I was like, ooh, this is cool. I went in there and of course they had a bunch of Sega games because Sega makes awesome arcade games. And there was man, what what I don't remember what it was. What what game was it? I don't remember what it was. But of course they had a big Sega on the side. And I just decided to take a picture, you know, with my hand like this and Sega right over here. And I was like, yeah, Sega. 
And I, I put that out on my Facebook and everybody just went nuts. Like the internet exploded. Everybody melted down. Everybody thought that I was in Japan. There was like, Shinmu 3 confirmed. <laughs> Look, there's the Sega sign right next to him. And I was like, oh no. Oh man, I forgot. I didn't I didn't put any context. Oh, that was dumb. I, I freaking everybody out. <laughs> so stuff like that, I'm sure would happen all the time. And so Yu Suzuki just, I, I knew, I know that he he just he had to get it done. Not only for himself, but of course for everybody else out there, all the fans. Well, all right. So as we, you know, get closer to the end of our podcast, uh, we usually like to ask a question uh, to you know our guest, uh, which I'm assuming you you answer this question uh, quite a bit. But uh, the question is, uh, what's the best advice that you can give to somebody who would want to, you know, start voice acting? Yeah. Um, so this, this is the answer that I give. And I think, I think it's, this. I really hope that people take this to heart is that voice acting is not about, um, like doing character voices. Um, you have to be an actor first, right? Like I, I always say, I always say to people like, look, so you, so, I'm going to use something that everybody knows, like, so you can do a really great Stewie impression. You know, um, but that, but that's not going to help you get a job. You know, you can do an impression, but then let's just say you get a whole script. You go in, you go in that day, and and you can do an impression of this character or that character, but but then you have a script on top of that. So how are you going to do that impression with all of the different words that that you know give us the story? So it's not. It, voice acting is not like oh I, I i got you know 20 different voices that i can do you you have to be an actor first so you got to do all the actor things you know like you got to take classes you know you got to hone your skills you um you you can work on your impressions of course do those things but you have to you have to be so you have that character but you have to be really angry that day or you have to be really sad. Something terrible has happened. Your father has died. <laughs> or your kingdom has been destroyed. Or um, you've killed your father and you've married your mother. So you're having a, uh, you know, an Oedipus moment. So you, you, you have to, you, you, you have to, <laughs> you, you enjoying that? Uh, that <laughs> That analogy. And if you can imagine all of that in a Stewie voice, that's what you gotta do that day. I'm sorry, Corey, you broke you broke me on that one. <laughs> yeah, do all of that in Stewie's voice, and then you can be a voice actor. No, seriously, you know what I'm saying though, right? Like you No, no. Like bad things happen or happy things happen. You gotta be in love. You gotta hate somebody over here. You gotta have a rivalry over there. You, you know what I mean? So you have to you have to be an actor first before you can just like, oh, I, I could do some silly voices. Okay, cool. I, I got I got a project for you. Come on over. No, it's not like that. It's uh, you know, you have to audition, you have to take your classes, you gotta get you gotta get your uh your audition reel together. And so that's, that's actually something I'm going to do right after COVID is get my is get my new reel together so I can I got uh, I can send those in for auditions and people can hear my voice doing whatever <laughs> if I'm narrating or if I'm fighting or if I'm you know just just 
being Oedipus or (laughs) 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 but yeah that's what I recommend like seriously you got to do all of the actor things um to 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 be a voice actor it's not it's not it's not just one thing let me put it this way like (sighs) voice acting is like mixed martial arts if if you go into uh an, an an MMA cage only doing boxing and that's it you're gonna lose you know what i mean you don't know how to kick you don't know how to grapple you don't know how to do any judo you don't know how to do any jujitsu it's the fight's gonna be over fight's gonna be over in seconds think of yourself like that like if you do impressions all you're doing is boxing which is great if if you're in a boxing ring and you got big gloves on and you're standing in a ring and you're fighting another guy with gloves on but if you're fighting you know if you're fighting uh 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 anybody who has mixed skills then then the fight's over seconds it's the fight's over in seconds so think of acting as like that you have to have different acting skills just like a mixed martial artist has to have stand up skill ground skill you know he has to be able to do i mean you know we we talk, everybody knows you have to do jiu-jitsu you have to do judo you have to do wrestling you have to do boxing you have to do kickboxing you have to do um you know uh, and it's great to see some more traditional martial arts as well i'm seeing kicks from karate i'm seeing kicks from uh thai boxing oh i'm sorry uh like taekwondo kicks as well it's like you, you have to be able to have all of that vocabulary in order to um to defeat opponent who's just as skilled think about going to an audition and this guy's got his skills but you have to have a better skill than him. You have to be able to, uh, you have to be able to defeat him in the ring of uh, of jobs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you you have to have more skill in multiple areas than this guy does. And if you have more skill, then you'll get the job. Really quickly, um, before we end out here, you mentioned that you're a big, uh, you're a fan of MMA. Do you watch UFC at all? Well, not recently. Um, um, <laughs> uh th- there are some people who do excite me uh are you gonna watch mcgregor poirier tomorrow um yeah i I'm, i don't know i've I've seen mcgregor before you know what i mean I, I i like i like people who are interesting mcgregor is definitely interesting he's got a he's got a he's got a very he's got a different stance he has a different posture um <laughs> i like how he's almost got this traditional uh, you, you've seen those old man, the, those old standing fights where where the boxers are standing up very erect and they have their fists and a kind of a, he fights he fights like that where he almost has one hand out as a lead hand and I've seen a lot of fighters do this recently where they're where they test with that lead hand and it almost looks like those old timey boxers you know where they have one hand forward and one hand back like this and they have that upright posture it you know <laughs> McGregor kind of reminds me of that a little bit I kind of <laughs> see that. I was like, whoa, that's kind of that's kind of weird, but it really works for him. You know, he he tests with that lead hand, and he's able to uh, find um, his target that way, and 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 really come in. Uh, he's got he's got great skill. He's I've you know, uh, so yeah, people like him interest me all the time, and I yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. But um, it, it, I another thing too, I find fascinating is I like to watch. I like to. I used to watch a lot of uh, women fight because I like their movement vocabulary because there's they some good, there's some really good uh, like Amanda Nunes and yeah she's uh, you know, great 
there's some really good uh, women MMA fighters. Um, Rose Namajunas is another one that is awesome. very good. Joanna uh, jo- Jacek, who was really good. She still is really good, but when she was champion, dominant. Mm-hmm. You know, Ronda Rousey, of course. Uh, Misha Tate. You know, there's a long list. Yeah, you know, and you know why I like watching them is because they do have, uh, I think, a larger vocabulary when it comes to fighting. Oh yeah, uh, check my check, have mommy check the email. So they they you know I mean let, let's just take Ronda Rousey when she was we won't get into what happened to her afterwards but when she was still using a lot of her judo and all that I was really excited to to watch her uh, to watch her uh, uh, to watch her fight you know Tate like you said Nunez all these people I, oh you know the, oh where I was going with my with my statement is that I like to watch women because they do so many different things you know. They stand up, strike. They they use their kicks. They and then they they use their their grappling. Um, it's not like I noticed that a lot of men tend to get into a rut when it comes into their stand up fight. For example, um, that's why I like to see uh, dynamic fighters who like to try different things. And you know, everybody talks about when some of these more traditional kicks make knocks make knockouts when somebody does a roundhouse or somebody does a front kick somebody does a front kick to the face and knocks the guy out and everybody's like whoa where'd that come from i'm like man you know we've been doing that forever it's like when i spar with my friends i get them all the time with a with a front kick it's a front kick to the body is real popular you end up doing a push kick you get them off of you you set them up and then you can you 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 get your distance back all that stuff but then it's like you know, front kicking somebody to the jaw, man, that's that's like almost instant knockout, yeah. you know? And there's a lot of moves that in the UFC nowadays we're not allowed to use because they say, you know, it's for safety reasons. I think a, I think a lot of it's a little bit BS, but um, uh, there's a lot of, uh, when I see people using um, lar- uh, uh, larger moves i mean you see it i mean if you watch if you watch a lot of thai fighting you watch a lot of uh, a lot of these guys in thailand fighting man they're like the the way that they're able to slip in with their with their you know the, how they're faking their kicks and they they got they you know when you when you, it appears that they're going in for a leg kick or something they're able to whip up their knee and knock somebody straight across the jaw you know those those types of techniques that we don't get to see very much in the UFC those those things i really uh, love and enjoy and we used to see that a lot <laughs> in some of the older ufc when there are you know less rules <laughs> but uh um uh yeah i think that a, a lot of a lot of people get into a rut sometimes and i'm kind of i'm kind of going off on a tangent but uh, no sorry I, I don't let me put it this way i don't like to see a lot of brawling you know i don't like to see brawlers in the ufc i like to see fighters you know i like to see chess players and 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 you see a lot a lot of these uh champions really are chess players you know they really do have a lot of different tools that they can pull from in their toolbox to take care of different problems this guy's got oh he when he when he leads with his right he always drops his chin you know so i'm going to do a round kick to the face or something you know those types of things i love i love to see people thinking i love to see people um uh making decisions based on on their on on the opponent's move seeing their weaknesses and applying uh the correct move to to uh, to deal with those problems and you know a lot, a lot of those 
things can if the guys you see more traditional tight boxing and stuff like that those things i really enjoy so i don't know um yeah there's there's a lot to be i could go on for days about ufc maybe we should (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should move on (laughs) one one last thing Corey. somebody hears your voice and they want to say hello i thought this would be a perfect time for them to say hello yeah see the camera yeah say hi oh hey who's this (laughs) I thought it'd be perfect to bring a cat here to uh, say yeah. hello. Hello, is this is this Mimi? Is this Chibi? Who is this? <laughs> it's a uh, tuxedo, but he heard your voice and he's like, um, "I need some okay. milk now." <laughs> but, some um, fish, some milk. <laughs> we're gonna uh, go ahead and uh, wrap up the podcast here. Uh, we just want to say um, here at In Our Mom's Basement, thank you so much, Corey, uh, for taking the time to uh, join us here. Um, it's been really awesome to meet you. And again, as a, uh, you know, as I told you before, when we first chatted, when I was 10 years old playing Shenmue, if somebody was like, oh, do you think you'll ever interview uh, Corey Marshall? I'd be like, oh, no, you're crazy. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much. But here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Uh, you, you made it happen, man. You you manifested that destiny. You got that laser focus. You got that Hazuki focus. <laughs> you got your podcast. And yeah, here we are, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, awesome, awesome. And uh, thank you so much again, Corey. Uh, really, really appreciate it, guys. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on all podcast platforms, um, on Spotify, Google, iTunes, um, inter, um, innermomsbasement.com. Um, and Corey, uh, did you want to tell um, our audience as well where they can find you, your Twitter and your uh, Twitch? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, I, I wanted to say, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I, I was, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that you uh, brought me on for your first here in uh, 2021. But I also wanted to thank all the fans out there too, for being so awesome. I mean, honestly, um, we got Shenmue because of you guys. I really honestly believe that. So uh, thank all the. I want to thank all the fans out there for everything they do for me and my family and the industry and buying the games. This, you know, that's we we don't have jobs without all the fans out there. You know, uh, we we just be like weirdos talking in a in a sound booth to nobody if it wasn't for you guys. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find me, uh, Corey Marshall, Voiceover Pro. Or Corey Marshall VO Pro. You can find me on uh, Twitter. And uh, yeah, check me out on Twitch. I'll be streaming. Um, uh, you can find me Corey Marshall VoiceOver Pro or check me out on uh, Twitter. I always put uh, uh, my my little uh, my Twitch uh, uh, URL there so we can you guys can just click on that. But yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be streaming Shenmue 3 for the first time tomorrow, Saturday, 10 a 10 a.m. Uh, Los Angeles time. Awesome. Again, thank you so much, Corey. It's been an honor to have you here. Um, again, guys, you can uh, go all of our socials in our mom's basement as well. Um, and you can listen to this podcast on all podcasting platforms. And um, for our live audience, thank you guys for coming to hang out. We really appreciate it. And, um, you know, uh, happy new year to everybody. This is our first podcast of 2021. We were joined by Corey Marshall, the voice of Rio Hazuki. And uh, definitely go check out his channel as well. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome time. Uh, He does answer uh, a lot of questions on there. But uh, again, thank you guys so much. I'm Rage Quit Pat. That is Dan the Pizza Man. Yes. And everybody, take care. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. 
You've just listened to the In Our Mom's Basement, a video game podcast with your hosts, Dan Giofue and Rage Quit Pat. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. See you in the next episode.